Good morning, Northlanders, and welcome to Sound Off. The Sound Off host is Brad Bennett, who has served this country as a Marine Corps sergeant during the Vietnam War and has served this community as a three-term member of the Duluth School Board. Now, Sound Off, and let your voice be heard. Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, good morning, Northlanders. Good morning here on a Wednesday in the Northland. Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, is no longer mayor. Well, she won't be uh, very soon. Uh, she ran for re-election Tuesday, and there were, I believe, six or eight candidates on the uh, docket, and she did not come in in the top two. She had to finish in the top two to go to the runoff, the April 4th runoff, to be the next mayor or the continuing mayor, and she didn't make it. Now, what does that tell you? Well, it tells you that the people of Chicago are very frustrated with Lori Lightfoot, and uh, they didn't want her around. Um, she was uh, she was the city's first black woman and first openly gay person to serve as mayor, and she fell in popularity after Chicago saw a spike in crime following the COVID. Uh, the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Since then, opponents have blamed her for the increase in crime, criticized her for being divisive, openly contentious. Uh, she has also received criticism for her handling of an 11-day teacher strike, the COVID-19 pandemic, the protest in the summer, and she just flat out was very antagonistic herself uh, always uh, criticizing everybody else but herself and her own uh, leadership. I would, I'd like to think that there is a chance for Chicago to make a major change of direction, but I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, the reason I say that is because Chicago has had years and years and years of sucking off the taxpayers you-know-what and about 80 to 80 percent of the city's population gets some sort of uh, revenue adjustment one way or the other through the state or through the city, uh, through uh, welfare, through food stamps, through something. And so they have a long, long history. Now, the two people that made it, well, and here, here was her statement, by the way. <laughs> Regardless of tonight's outcome, we fought the right fight, and we put this city on a better path. Really, Lori? Lightfoot said she told her fellow, her fellow mayors around the country not to fear being bold. Worked for you, right, Lori? <laughs> not. Uh, anyway, here's the two people that made it through, and I'll tell you why. I, I, first of all, you're going to see the first actual conservative, a guy by the name of Paul Vallas, Vallas, a six, he's a 60-something. He's a former head of the Chicago Public Schools. He was uh, like superintendent or director of the schools. They don't, they have a little different system down there. The, the city is in charge of the school district, not the school district separated like it is here. So he was the head of the Chicago Public Schools he scored endorsements from the Chicago's police union, from the Chicago Tribune editorial board. His campaign has focused on law and order, 
school choice, not school change, school choice. In other words, sending your kids to private school, to public school, to charter school, and reforming the city's finances. Vallis previously ran for mayor in Chicago and for governor and lieutenant governor in Illinois. His opponents, here it comes, folks, his opponents criticized him as too conservative to lead the Democratic stronghold of Chicago. See, in other words, he's too conservative for this left-leaning city. Well, how's that left-leaning got you up to this point? Then the other guy, the guy that's probably going to walk away, and I would I would flip a coin and make that call right now, on April 4th, you'll probably see Brandon Johnson, 46, become the new mayor of Chicago. The reason I say that, he's a former teacher who serves on the Cook County Board of Commissioners. He received a million-dollar campaign donation from who? From the Chicago Teachers Union for his campaign and has supported has supports uh, from several other progressive, in other words, socialist organizations, uh, including the United Working Families. The former teacher and union organizer has argued that the answer to addressing crime, now listen to this hocus pocus, dominocus, the answer to addressing crime is not more money for police, but more investments in mental health, education, jobs, affordable housing. That's what you've been doing for years and years and years in Chicago. And is it, is it stymied crime? No. And he, he also has been accused by rivals such as Lori Lightfoot herself for wanting to defund the police. So here, the biggest issue in Chicago, Illinois, is crime, how to control crime. And here, one of the two finalists is a guy that wanted to defund the police department. And yet, watch, I will be, I will be awestruck if I am wrong. But you watch, in the April 4th election, he will come out on top because he's funded by all the normal leftist socialist organizations that make the city of Chicago run the freebie handouts. Uh, you know, they'll just keep going and going. Voters elected three people to serve on a council. See, they set up a new council after the George Floyd murder, which I, which I find kind of interesting. The George Floyd murder happened here in Minneapolis. And yet all over the country... It had huge impacts on police department budgets, on efforts to defund police departments and all those kind of things. Well, city leaders in Chicago uh, decided they would set up by ordinance two separate bodies, a citywide commission and a district council aimed at approving community police relations. Voters elected three people to serve on councils in each of the city's 22 police districts. So three people in each of the 22 districts. The councils are tasked with building stronger connections between the police and community at the district level, 
holding monthly public meetings, working with the community to get input on police department policies, practices, and more. I sure hope that works out for Chicago. It hasn't worked out too well in other areas. So there you have it. Chicago, Illinois, Lori Lightfoot serves a one-term as mayor, and uh, her confrontational uh, uh, mentality, her way of handling criticism and everything else has uh, is over and done with. She didn't make it to the two finalists. The two finalists are Paul Vales, who is a fairly conservative in what I read about him anyway, and would probably be good for taking Chicago in a different direction from where it's going now. And then the standard bearer for the leftist, progressives, uh, socialists, Brandon Johnson, a former teacher who received a million dollars campaign contribution from the teachers union, that poor group that never has enough money to get by. Million dollars. Pretty nice, huh? Pretty sweet. Kenny, would you be dis- would you be surprised if I told you that a a uh, report that has just come out of the Twin Cities area, the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources keeps what it calls a Twin Cities winter misery index. And the higher the score, the more miserable the winter. Uh this misery index has just been released for this year. The highest, the most miserable the people in the Twin Cities have ever been in a winter. Uh, here's a, roughly how the scoring on this goes, and you'll see why it uh, pointed out this way. According to the Department of Natural Resources, one point is given for each inch of snow, then a bonus point for four inches of snow, and another bonus point if if the cumulated total reaches eight inches on any given snowstorm. Points are also accumulated by temperatures. For each day, high temperature is 10 degrees or below. There's a point uh, given. When the low is zero degrees or below, there's another point. A bonus point is given for 20 degrees below zero. The temperatures and snow totals are measured at the Minneapolis-St. Paul uh, International Airport, and year to date, uh, March 1st, compared to uh, la- a year ago, well, c- compared to all the way back to uh, to a t- a 2012, this year is higher than any other year. Starting November 1st of this year, they have accumulated over 250 points in the Twin Cities area, meaning it's the most miserable winter they have ever had, according to the way they keep totals. Okay, who put this together? (laughs) I don't know, somebody with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Okay, so the Minnesota DNR, shame on them. Shame on them, Brad. Minnesota is the land of 10,000 ice fishing lakes. Frozen lakes. Yes. Yes. We love to ski in this state. We love to snowshoe in this state. We love our hockey, of course. And winter brings us those things. Shame on the DNR. You people are fools. (laughs) A lot of people embrace this weather. They embrace the snow. They they embrace the winter. uh, They love to ski. They love the snowmobile. May, may I make a DNR. comment here? A lot of people that embrace this winter <laughs> lie. I know. No, they don't, Brad. 
No, they don't. Yes, they do. A lot I, of them I disagree. <laughs> At, right now, we have heavy snow falling in downtown Duluth. Heavy snow. The National Weather Service has already recorded 2.3 inches. Now, that was an hour ago. 2.3 inches had already fallen. Brad, we need only 6.7 inches of snow today <laughs> to reach 100 inches. Come on. Oh, man. <laughs> And we're going to hit that misery index big time here in Duluth. No, I will say this. You know, the thing is with winters here in the Northland in Minnesota, in northern Minnesota, the Twin Cities, I think, eh, it's so harsh. It's so long. It's so prolonged. And that's the thing that, you know, after a while, here we are March 1st, and it's like the dead of winter. And we've been doing this since November. And probably be doing it up through uh, halfway through April. Did or you know who today? Knows, maybe even beyond that. <laughs> did you know today is National Minnesota Day? Minnesota Day, yeah. Well, and Kenny, I got another one for you. You know, it's a lot of times it's more than just one day. Today is National Minnesota Day. It's also National Pig Day. Is there a connection there at all? <laughs> hey, watch it. Pig's Eye Lake down in St. Paul, maybe. I don't know. But uh, do you know the uh, the capital of Minnesota? Oh, St. Paul? That do you one? know? There you go. Ding, ding, ding. Do you know the largest city? In Minnesota? In Minnesota. I, I would say Minneapolis. Ding, probably. ding, 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 ding. Uh, Brad, do it. you know the state bird? Uh, yeah, I do know this. Is it, uh, wait a minute. Come on, Brad, come on. Is it the robin? I'm going to go with the robin. The robin is the state bird of the state of Wisconsin. Minnesota's Uh, state bird is the common loon. Oh, there you go. That makes sense. Common loon. Okay. And I'll ask you one more here, and maybe we'll do some more as we go along. What is the state's official beverage? Beer. (laughs) No. That's Wisconsin. I know. I'm sorry. No, I don't know what Wisconsin is. Well, let's see. Minnesota. It would be. It would be milk. There you go. (laughs) Milk, chocolate, or skim, or two percent, or whole. It doesn't matter. But it has to come from a cow. It can't come from an almond. Yes, that is correct. See, I'm pretty good at this. You could ask me some more. I may, I maybe get a couple of these. I don't know. Well, I'll do one more for you. What is okay. the official gemstone of the state of Minnesota? Oh boy, now you got me. Think Lake Superior. <laughs> uh, uh, agate. Yes, the Lake Superior agate. <laughs> Whoa. You are on a roll, man. I'm on a roll, baby. We're gonna take our first break here. Remember, we've got a shortened version today. Two hours. If you want to get involved in the show, give us a call early here at 218-722-0839, and we'll be right back. KDAL time is 1025. Again, heavy snow is falling in downtown Duluth, 27 degrees, northeast wind at 35 miles an hour. So there is a bite in the air, 10 degrees on the wind chill. And like you said earlier, Brad, an abbreviated show of sound off, an early start, an early finish, and 12 o'clock at noon, Twins Baseball. By the way, uh, after uh, in the second hour today at about 11.35, something like that, uh, actually 11.45, I think we are going to have a visit from uh, Wisconsin's uh, Congressman Tom Tiffany, who has recently 
taken a trip down to the Arizona border where they have lots of trouble with uh, illegals flooding across the border. So he's going to talk to us a little bit about that and also his plans for uh, uh, what the uh, Republican majority uh, are looking at doing now uh, in the um, with with the upcoming budget uh, stalemate and all of that. So it'll be a very interesting time. That's today on Wednesday show. Now Friday we're going to be on the same format. The Twins uh, have a game. Uh, you know this is the preseason uh, for the Twins. There and have a game there as as well. So we will be on again this time frame, uh, from uh, from uh, what is it eleven to one? No, ten, yeah, ten, ten, to to noon. Ten, ten to noon. Ten to on noon. Friday. Ten yep. to noon. And uh, it, on Friday at eleven thirty five, we're going to have a visit from our own congressman, Eighth District Congressman Pete Stauber, who's uh, going to tell us uh, some very interesting things that are happening about mining and fa- and uh, metals and. Uh, Lots of things that going on there as well. So, you'll have uh, to ask that, him about his nephew. About what? You'll have to ask Pete about his nephew, Jackson. Jackson is Rob Stauber's son. Jackson is a goaltender for the Chicago Blackhawks. And You're he, kidding! And he did something. Jackson Stauber. Jackson Stauber, and he did something that no other Chicago Blackhawk goalie has ever done. He won his first three games as a Chicago Blackhawk, and I believe he lost his fourth, I think. But nonetheless, he got those first three wins right out of the chute. Yeah, kind of cool. Wow, I am impressed. I did not realize that. I knew he had some kids that were hockey players, but no, this I didn't is, realize this is he Rob's, had one that Rob's good. son, so, this, so oh, Pete Rob's would be his son. uncle. Okay. Pete's his uncle. Okay. And I'll tell you, there was well, a couple makes... of times I was watching the game yeah. that was on TNT. can't remember who they were playing, but uh, from time to time, Jackson would take his helmet off and take a drink of water or something. I thought, man, does he look like his dad? That looks Rob. like it looks like a stopper. Yeah. So, it's well, in, it's it would make sense that it's Rob's. It makes sense that it's Rob's boy because Rob was a heck of a goalie himself. Yeah, he uh, won the Hobie Baker. He wasn't too bad. Yeah, yeah, a couple of other things. He, uh, I don't know how many years he spent in the uh, NHL, but he played a number of years with the Los Angeles Kings and other. He should teams, come so. back and coach the Denfeld Hunters and show them how to play hockey. You no, know, I'm, he I'm should kidding. do that. I'm kidding. <laughs> the Denfeld Hunters have a very good uh, high school hockey coach in Dale Jago. Yes. And I know yes, that they're up good. against uh, a situation but, that's a lot different, Brad, when you and I went to high school. And oh, that's just totally the amount of kids. Different. Yeah, we had so many different programs with kids feeding into the system. Now they got maybe three. T- they got, uh, what, Piedmont. They got a combined Morgan Park-Gary program. And I... What else do they have? Well, I'm not sure else? their feeder program. I mean, it's citywide. I mean, there's open enrollment, isn't there? And, and so, but, but nonetheless, you know, you've got Hermantown that are drawing kids. Of course, oh, Duluth yeah. East. And, uh, well, and now uh, this Rockridge that railed them on, on the other night, what, they beat them 15 to 1, I yeah, think? Yeah, I think it was 12 to 1. 12 to 1. But that, that program is really... Uh, going to see some improvement that Rockridge program because they have merged a number of schools that were having trouble with enrollments, in, de- declining enrollments in a lot of them, but a lot of hockey tradition in places like Eveleth and uh, Mountain Iron and it, all of those. And now they're all together. 
new uniforms, new coach. They looked great. They looked good. I saw part of the game. They looked really, really aggressive. So anyway, we got, we're uh, to that point that we're uh, about up to our CBS news break. So let's take that, and uh, then we'll come back and get into some other things here. There's so many things that have been happening. I'm going to try to bring you up to date as, on as much of them as I can. KDAL. Winter. In its simplicity, there is beauty. Until it hits you in the face. Be prepared with your severe weather station. It's going to get brutal. This is KDAL AM 610 and FM 103.9. KDAL time is 1034. Heavy snow falling still in downtown Duluth. National Weather Service in Duluth is 22 degrees right now. And Brad, I got to tell you, I just got a call from a listener and uh, he put uh, two and two together for us. Okay. You're going to love this. Came up with four? We were. (laughs) Yes. Well, actually, we came up with. uh, Yeah, we came up with four. Okay. Um, we were talking about Jackson Stauber, nephew yeah. of Pete, son of Rob. They yep, grew okay. up yep. in the Piedmont Heights on Celia Street. The dads, or or, yeah. or rather, Rob Stauber. Dad-del. Rob Dad-del. Stauber was on the 1986 Denfeld hockey team. A member Correct. of that team also was Jerry Anderson. Jerry Anderson also lived on Celia Street. Okay, Jerry and Rob, Celia okay. Street. Their sons, Joey Anderson and Jackson Stauber, now are both members of the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> You're kidding me. How they both, can... they both are, are with the Blackhawks now. The sons wow. of Rob and Jerry, Jerry Anderson. And then also... Andy Walensky, a former Duluth East Greyhound, was part of that Patrick Kane trade with the New York Rangers. And now he's a member of the Chicago Blackhawks, as is former UMD Bulldog, St. Paul NATO. I think so, St. Paul. Um, oh, what's his name? The goalie. Uh, mm. I, I had a little I brain uh, contusion one. there. Yeah, I... I... He's from Alex Stalock. Alex Stalock. Oh, Stalock. Okay. So you have Stalock. Alex Stalock, former Duluth Bulldog, Andy Walensky, former Bulldog and East Greyhound, Jackson Stauber. Granted, he was born in Wayzata, but his dad's from Duluth, and Joey Anderson from Duluth. And they're all on the Blackhawks. Yeah. Well, they're members. I don't know if Andy's going to play in the minor leagues, and where J- uh, Joey's going, and I'm not even sure where. Uh, um. Alex Stalock is right now with his okay, but they've all been signed. But it's pretty cool. That's just good the, stuff. That that yeah, whole thing there. It's it it's awesome. Is. It is. I gotta tell you, Kenny. I watched the game uh, last night, the Wild game again. Came out again on top, all the way to a shootout at the very end. I mean, they went three on three. They they ended up regulation time one a piece, one goal a piece. Which tells you the problem that the Wild have. They can't get more than one goal most of the time in regulation play. And they have extremely good defensive team, an extremely good goaltending. That Gustafsson uh, again played a game out of his mind last night. Gus the bus. And, yeah. And, it, I mean, it was fantastic. But 
they, if they're going to try to go anywhere deep into the playoffs or even get to the playoffs, they got to find a few more people that can put the biscuit in the basket, as they say. <laughs> Wild two, Islanders one. That was a final shootout last night from St. Paul. Yeah. And when you look at the standings, one point behind first place Dallas, the Minnesota Wild. Wow. Of the Central now, Division, they did make some. Uh, they did make some moves yesterday, Kenny. Uh, the Wild made a couple of moves, and uh, we're probably going to see at least one of those uh, moves on Thursday uh, in the next game. Uh, but it, it's Marcus uh, Johansson. 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 Uh, Johansson. Both of these guys they picked up are uh, Swedes. They're both speeds, Nyquist yeah. and Johansson. Yeah, but we'll Nyquist, see. Uh, Nyquist, they don't know when he's going to play. He's currently under injury, has a shoulder yeah. injury. Um, you ever heard of anything like that? But he's one of those guys that he's he's been a 20-goal scorer four times in his career. Well, So he's a guy that knows how to put the, put the puck away. But he's injured. And Bill Guerin, GM Bill Guerin, said he's hopeful that he'll be able yeah, to play hopeful. in the playoffs. Yeah, providing we make the playoffs. Uh, anyway, this uh, the the they picked the Wild uh, did uh, did pick up a third rounder, uh, or did give up a third rounder, a twenty twenty four third rounder for Johansson. They didn't give up anybody terribly, uh, so these are pretty safe bets, I think. Um, Johansson, they think, will come and play right away. But the big thing they got now is, uh, according to reading the Minneapolis paper this morning. The coach is now going to have to make decisions on who's going to dress, who's going to play, because they now are a little bit long in forwards and centers, and so they're going to have to uh, make a decision on who's going to sit certain games and who's going to play certain games, which is not a bad thing to be to have that. Kenny, we're just about up to our uh, up to our break here, but before we go there, I want to tell you the Chinese government is now. Uh, I, I would call this threatening, what they are saying to Elon Musk. You know, Elon Musk owns Twitter now, and uh, he, he also owns Tesla, of course. And Tesla has a huge manufacturing plant in China. Plus, China is like his second biggest—well, uh, Tesla has an exclusive factory campus in Shanghai, China, and China is the electric vehicle manufacturer's second largest market. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of money that can be generated for Tesla there. Well, China, the state-run media of China, has now come out and warned uh, Elon Musk— to stop talking about the fact that uh, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic may have come out of China. Don't talk about that. In other words, they're basically saying, look, if you don't stop talking about the fact that uh, that uh, the COVID uh, vac- or COVID-19 may have originated in the Wuhan Biological Lab, we may have to tighten the screws on you a little bit and shut you down uh, from... Uh, I don't know, maybe selling your vehicles in China. We might make it very difficult for you to do that. The People's uh, the People's Liberation Army, or the CCP, I should say, has come out during out of the Global Times and warned Musk that he could be breaking the pot of China. When you see, when you say breaking the pot of China, 
that's akin to saying, don't bite the hand that feeds you. In other words, you're selling a lot of goods over here, Elon Musk, so you better be quiet about what you think uh, COVID came from because, you know, if you get too mouthy about it, we may have to tighten the screws down on you. That sounds to me like coercion, like threatening, like government, uh, uh, like, uh, like a bad government gone even worse, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like China's a little out of control? Well, I'll tell you what. When we come back after our Minnesota news break, I'm going to tell you even more about how they're out of control because it turns out that Dr. Li Wing Yan, the first person, Chinese, a Chinese virologic, a virologist who first told us about the connection to the Wuhan lab, has now come out and is even more specific about where this doctor, this Chinese doctor, thinks COVID came from, and you might be surprised. So we'll be right back after Minnesota news break. One year after President Putin attacked Ukraine, China is considering the possibility of providing lethal aid. It's clear that his war has been a strategic failure. As tensions mount, the fact that they're going to meet next week to discuss this unholy alliance. Could a Russian-Chinese alliance be on the horizon? To put weapons into Ukraine, to me, is very disturbing. What happens next happens here. Well, maybe Ukraine today, it's going to be Taiwan tomorrow. That's why this is so important. This is KDAL AM 610 and FM 103.9. KDAL time is a 10.53 and 2.1, 10.53. There it is, 22 degrees, heavy snow in the Twin Ports. Brad, we're under a winter storm warning here in Duluth until yes. 6 p.m. this evening. Now, this does include uh, Carleton and South St. Louis County, including the city of Duluth, Cloquet, Superior. Winter storm warning, and we could see a few more inches of snow, and already we've got three inches of snow in Duluth. Well, what Kenny is telling you is when winter is upon you like it is right now, remember last winter when you swore you'd do something about those old drafty windows that were costing you a fortune on the heating bill? And now here we are. You're turning up the heat, getting raked over the coals on heating your home. Stop the madness. Have less Grumdell window and siding. Install new energy-efficient Infinity by Marvin Ultrex Fiberglass Replacement Windows, which are energy-efficient, protect you and your wallet from excess energy bills. All you got to do is call less Grumdell window and siding today at 728-3060 or visit lessgrumdahl.com. So, Kenny, when you need new windows or doors, who are you going to call? Les Grumdahl, Duluth Central, class of 1975, and a heck of a nice guy. And a heck of a good-looking man, too. Great, great family. So, Brad, China. China's on the yes. move, Brad. They are now oh, are they, uh, the they are now saying that, uh, or we're hearing that there may be some assistance to Russia to fight Ukraine or to keep uh, pounding Ukraine. And what about Taiwan, Brad? Well, they've started to uh, fly missions closer and closer to Taiwan. We had one earlier this week where an American fly, uh, an American fighter jet was flying through normal space, not uh, protected Chinese space, and a Chinese jet came within 500 feet of its wing. I mean, that is close, close, and, uh, you know, told it to get out of the area. Well, the Chinese obviously... 
are doing something. They have some master plan going on here, whether it's just that they want to financially rule the world. You know, because you might ask the question, Kenny, why in the world would China develop a a product like COVID-19 virus and release it? Uh, what, could they possibly have done it on purpose? Well, according to this Dr. Li Meng Yan, he told in in September of 2020, when the virus first broke out, this Dr. Lin Men Yan told uh, told uh, Tucker Carlson on his show that the Chinese government intentionally manufactured and released the COVID virus, leading to a nationwide shutdown and deaths. Well. He was criticized. Carl, Carl, uh, Tucker Carlson was criticized. Everybody was criticized. Well, now uh, Carlson asked Yen on Monday if she still believes the virus was intentionally released nearly three years after the pandemic started. And her answer was very matter of fact. Of course, it was not an accident. Maybe for people who don't have this kind of biosafety lab, three or four years experience on coronaviruses, maybe it's easy for them to accept the accident lab leak. However, I'm a scientist working in a research lab using coronavirus, and I can tell you based on the print protocol and also the other surveillance systems, it would be impossible for the lab to leak accidentally in such a manner, this lab and caused the Wuhan outbreak, also the pandemic. The Chinese government unleashed COVID to destroy Western economies and elevate their own position globally. Now, that's not my opinion or Midwest Communications opinion. That's Dr. Li Meng Yen's opinion. Uh, and I imagine she's had a hit put out on her, wouldn't you think, Kenny? By the Chinese government? They She's still around. I'm surprised. She was uh, yeah. around during the early part of this pandemic. Uh, I'm oh, su- yeah. surprised she survived so far. Well, anyway, she says, I, I don't think the outbreak in Wuhan uh, is anything but intentional. It was it yeah. was there. Uh, it was put out by them. And, it had, and what would be the cause or what would be the reason for it? To uh, to take over the economy, to take over even a bigger portion of the government economy than what they already have. And then you've got them threatening Elon Musk today that if he keeps talking about it, they may have to uh, put some pressure on his sales of Tesla in China and his manufacturing plant there. I mean, that's that is th- pure out government threatening. No doubt about well, what it. does China have to hide? I don't know that they have anything on him um, other than the fact that they have some pressure that they can put on him since he, you know, if you own a factory in China, even though you may be an American, you have to do business the way they tell you to do business. And they can make uh, they can make his life very, very miserable by putting all kinds of constraints and rules and regulations on his manufacturing operation that up until now... He's had pretty much free reign to make his Tesla products and sell them all over the uh, the Southeast Asian area to Vietnam, to China, to Hong Kong, Taiwan, all of them. But uh, it could get a little dicey from here on out. 
Anyway, we've got an hour left to come. We're going to have an interview with uh, Tom, with uh, uh, who you, who we got coming on? Yeah, Congressman oh, Tiffany. Yeah. Yep. The, Tiffany from uh, Wisconsin, uh, from northern Wisconsin. He represents all that area up in northern Wisconsin. He'll be coming on towards the end of next hour. So come back to us quickly, and uh, we'll get into some more stuff here on Sound Off, abbreviated edition on a Wednesday morning. A winter storm warning is in effect for Duluth, southern St. Louis County, Carleton County, a winter weather advisory in Douglas County. You're home for Bulldog Hockey. Let's go!